0: Welcome. I guess we're live. We're the Young Jerks. We're here with Disrupt Boston uh, from Down the Road Beer Company. Uh, have another big week, big show, lots of announcements. We made uh, some announcements, the Young Jerks and Disrupt Boston this week. And we also started some things. We're going to get to that. Uh, Again, my name is Mike Crawford. I'm the host. I have a great guest. Uh, We have some other guests coming in the studio, oh not the studio, in the brewery, I'm still (laughs) saying studio, I forgot that we're not in a studio anymore, but it is kind of a studio, it's like a new studio every week we set up here uh, with Disrupt Boston uh, from down the road beer company in Everett, Massachusetts. My name again is Mike Crawford, I am the host. Just want to mention, uh, I started a new newsletter, email newsletter this week, Midnight Mass, dot substack dot com. I think you should subscribe. Check it out. Uh, there's two subscription levels. There's a freebie and there's also a premium level. You can do either or. Uh, a lot of the free stuff, you get almost all the content that way. Either way, so just definitely check that out. We're gonna be talking about some of the stories that I've dropped this week on there. Uh, gonna be doing a lot more. Also, want to talk about a dig Boston story. We're on the cover. Uh, Disrupt Boston. Uh, the Young Jerks. A story we did. Uh, Someone we interviewed is on the cover of this week's Dig Boston, Uh, so we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, And we have a huge event that we just announced, and we'll get to that. Uh, But we also have a great guest, someone who uh, I just met in person, but I've been following him on Facebook for a little while. And I've known his brother for a good decade when I saw his (laughs) uh, musical act perform, and I was blown away by him and uh, their performance. And I just started booking his act uh, on some some shows back in the day, and uh, became friends with them, and also uh, had uh, this gentleman's father on the show with, with the brother, with one of the brothers. There's a several brothers here. Yeah, there's a, there's about. A, we're a big family. <laughs> but we should just get right to it, because I'm, I'm telling stories already. It's not about me, it's about who's here. Uh, we have running for District 5, Boston City Councilor. Uh, he is the brother of a friend of mine. Uh, the friend is E-Rock. Yeah, I love shout E-Rock. out to
1: E-Rock, my brother. I love you.
0: E-Rock Arroyo. Uh, And you might know the name because there's been two city councilors with that last name. One of them was uh, this gentleman's father, uh, Felix D. D, thank you. I I drew (laughs) a blank there, and I know it. Felix D. Arroyo, who was the first Latino?
1: Yes, first Latino city councilor. Boston uh, city city councilor.
0: And he's a great guy, and we love him. And he's also in office right now. He
1: is. He's the current register of probate for Suffolk County. He's the first Latino elected countywide.
0: And he was also the first guest... On this show almost five years ago. So he's a
1: lot of firsts. With
0: E Rock. They both came in. Imagine that show. E
1: Rock told me about that, by the way, which Uh, that must have been great.
0: I think I've had E Rock on here twice. I want to have E Rock back every week. Oh my God, he's amazing. He's great. Next time I want to actually ask you, because I haven't even said your name yet. I'm talking about your family. I know,
1: everybody. (laughs) It's it's like suspenseful now. Yeah,
0: but uh, and your other brother, Felix G. Arroyo, was also a Boston City Councilor. Yeah, also
1: a Boston City Councilor.
0: And uh, so, you know, we're basically talking about a family affair. Next time, I want to see if you can bring some of them. They're like, have E-Raw come back with you. We can you. do the clan. It's yeah. A,
1: it's a whole group of us, right? Yeah. So, uh, so let me
0: say your name. Your name is Ricardo Arroyo.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm Ricardo Arroyo. Uh, I have, you know, I come from a pretty great family. Uh, uh, so... E Rock, uh, who already got a shout out, Foundation Movement. Yeah, Foundation. Uh, I got to say that. Yeah, that's the that, Do you that's know
0: the, the song? Because I'm going to draw a blank. I mean, there's probably. The vieckes, not a song, You know, know the song about yes, Vieques? Yeah. What was that the, was the song, the name of that song? Because my girlfriend, Camelita, base A Rock AF, used to play that song all the time on AF.
1: I'm fairly certain that the song was called Paz Vieques, P A Z. Paravieques, but uh, P-A-R-A. I'm not sure. But I'm not, not positive.
0: It may have had a different. might
1: have had a different name. I know. So it's funny because I haven't heard that in a while. He's going you know to watch this I know. and be like, why don't you know the song name? Um, I know which one you're talking about, though. It was one of his first. It was actually one of the first musical uh, like, produced songs that he did.
0: And they're awesome. Uh, they had a day named after them, the Foundation uh, yeah, Movement. Foundation
1: Movement Day, which they usually, I think it's annually, they try to do a charity event on that, um, like a charity show. Um, you know him and Optimist shout out to Optimist uh, and so yeah you know Iraq e- e- does that he also so you know er, growing up in this family uh, you learn really quickly community responsibility uh, and social activism so Iraq e- is actually right. also working at United for a Fair Economy uh, working for exactly what the name says Right. And that's Living how Reich. I met him
0: too I mean when uh, I met him it was my girlfriend and I went to an event that uh, one of the guys from Mission of Burma was throwing uh, Roger Miller it was an anti-war event and yep, it was like a, a it was too. a charity event, and that's also what he was doing for us was like the uh, activism. Yeah, charity now it stuff.
1: makes sense. I'm sure that when my dad came on, it was it was probably around the time when you know the Iraq War stuff was going on. He was an early opponent um, of of sending our kids there, um, and so you know I grew up in that family. I grew up in a family of social activism. Uh, my sister Anna didn't get a shout out, but she's a Boston public school teacher, um, and so my mom's a teacher, and so that kind of background uh is is what i come from right like i come from a family that if it didn't involve community like if your day job wasn't doing something to involve community and then on top of that you (laughs) weren't doing something else then you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing that's right um and so that's kind of the upbringing that i had and you know i grew up in high park which is in the district that's where i was born and raised uh and so i came of age in high park uh specifically in high park uh, you know, up by Kelly Field, up in that area. Uh, and so I played youth sports in the district. And then when I was old enough, I was actually 18 years old when I started coaching youth. Oh, nice. You yeah, coach. so I, what, what I coached, baseball, baseball, coached okay. baseball. I played a few of them, but I coached what, in baseball. What other sports did you play? Uh, so I ran track and field. Oh, cool. I that did was track. a big what, one. What, what events? Uh, I was a 800 okay. runner. And then I rem- and then my coach would make me do the 400 oh, to, cool. to make that better. So but you're I a runner. Th- yeah, I was running. Uh, but I didn't like it. As much like yeah. I didn't like the training for right. it as much as I. It's liked. kind
0: of boring. I was good at track, but I was. kind you of You have bored a lot of it.
1: time to think when you're running. Yeah. Uh, and so it was one of those things where it it's like you know I'm running I'm running. I was good at it, um, but I you know I liked the involvement that came from baseball where yeah. you had multiple things you were doing or, or soccer was another one I played. Yeah. Um, where you you had to kind of, in, in in track you are almost it's, it's exactly one thing, it's one over thing and, and, over and you're again. just trying to perfect it. Right. In um, these other sports, there's multiple aspects. It's exciting,
0: of it. too, the different team sports, too. I yeah, I yeah. That, oh, and so,
1: you know, I coached youth baseball because it was right. one of the ones where I thought, you know, baseball is like, a, it's essentially a sport of failure, right? Like the best players strike are batting. Out yeah, lot. like they're maybe getting hits 30% of the time. That's right. Uh, and so it was a great sport to, to work with youth and, and teach them, uh, you know, just the, the aspects of teamwork and also what you do when you fail, how you respond to that. And uh, I love that work. And when I was doing that work, uh, I, was, I was still in high school. I was actually a senior when I started doing that. I did it all the way through undergrad. But it was doing that work where I was really... Uh, we were dealing with different things on our team. We lost, unfortunately, we lost children to violence. Um, we lost children to the system in different ways. And so and we had children coming from backgrounds where they were losing their parents or there were addiction issues and there's all these other issues. And so I knew at that point that what I wanted to do was going to public defense work. And so I wanted to be a public defender. And and at that point, uh, pretty much my sole focus was on doing that. So I went to undergrad, and then the entire time I was an undergrad, I knew I was going to be a public defender. Then I went to law school in Chicago. I went to the University of Chicago. Uh, And my entire focus there was on uh, trying to get the skills I needed to do that work. Uh, And so when I came back to Boston, uh, I was hired by the Committee for Public Counsel Services, which is our state public defender branch. Uh, and that's where I, I was until recently, until I announced this run I had to go on leave. But that's the job that I had until recently, and it, it really was, for me, a calling to do that work.
0: And so um, how long have you been an attorney now? Uh,
1: I think going on four years. Four years, wow. And so, how yeah. old are you? <laughs> I'm 31. Okay. 31. So you're
0: still a young man, and you've already accomplished uh, a lot, pretty much. I guess, much. yeah. Because I, guess, I, you I watch you on Facebook. Like You've won some cases, haven't you?
1: Yes, I've had trials. Uh, so one of the things... That I, so I guess it, being a public defender has almost, uh, so much to do with why I'm running. And part of it is uh, in the work that I did, we were dealing with really folks who uh, the vast majority of my clients were dealing with mental illness, either diagnosed or undiagnosed. They were dealing with addiction. They were dealing with housing instability. Sometimes they were dealing with all three. And so we were talking about uh, people who generally were not receiving the services they needed. And one of the things that I love about Committee for Public Counsel Services and, and to all my public defender, coworkers and brethren, they do great work. And one of the things that I loved about that job was that we didn't have to try and figure out where our paycheck was coming from. We were getting a salary. And so I could do things beyond their criminal case. I had clients that I worked with for, like a year after their case was already resolved, because I was trying to help them find housing. I was helping them with their resumes. I was, and I didn't have to figure out how to make any money on that. It was was really, really, really special being able to do that work. But when I was doing that work, what I would find is there were all these places where the system that we have for, for governance could make a difference in their lives. Like for instance, there were issues with finding people bed placements with treatment centers, right? And I can't tell you how frustrating it is to try to work with somebody who has a uh, addiction issue or has a mental health issue and the solution being given to how do we fix this is to send them to prison, that was an infuriating issue. And the way that we worked around that was by connecting them with with services. That's it. Uh, And so the community aspect of that was that the government essentially for most of these services is either funding them or finding ways to promote them. And so what I was really frustrated with after a while was I was able to make this impact on an individual basis. I know the people I helped. I know their names. They know me. And there was a fulfillment there. But every day that I was in court, there were new folks showing up. And there were That's folks right. that I couldn't help. And there were folks that weren't given. Too many. Too many, frankly. And so, you know, and so that was a major aspect of it was that we would just have this every day somebody else was there. And, and I can help one person, but I couldn't resolve the issues that we're bringing them here without stepping out of that role. And so I made the decision to run because I I wanted to tackle these larger societal ills that we're facing for our individual clients. But also from a society standpoint, we all pay a cost when we don't handle these things correctly, when we don't deal with these things the way that we should.
0: Uh, We have a phone number, and uh, the phone number is 502 501 3477 Uh, We have a Boston City Councilor candidate, District 5. Boston City Councilor uh, candidate, Ricardo Arroyo. If you want to call him and uh, ask some questions, because i got a lot of questions. i got a whole list here. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to figure out where I want to start. I know where I want to start. Elected school board. Uh, Ah, the school committee. School committee. Thank you. That's come up um, recently. It's a debate. And
1: so I have some background on this, right? My father actually was on the school committee. That's right. And so when I was growing up... uh, My my after school was school committee meetings, right? Like I would would be at Court Street and I would be running around and adults would be talking about policy. And then because I was in Boston Public Schools, I would then get to see the effects of the policy he was fighting for or on the opposite end of that, the effects of what happened when we didn't get policy Mm -hmm. that we should have gotten, right? And so at that time, art classes were something that they were fighting over. Uh, I think, I mean, frankly, they're still fighting over providing resources for these other things that they should have. Um, and so he was appointed to the school committee and at the time that really solved an issue there in terms of, uh, simply, I mean, he was the first Latino on the school committee, right? And he had run for that seat prior. Uh, I think that there's a question here is it's about process, right? The reason that this has become such a major issue is because of the, the, frankly, the superintendent Chang, uh, dismissal, uh, the hiring of the interim superintendent Bill Boston. There's a sense from the community that there's no the there's transparency that they would want from this isn't there that the process is not uh, adequately involving them, and so I think that that one is is a concern that we need to take seriously. I think the fact that there are community members and stakeholders and families that go to these schools that feel like they weren't adequately brought into this into this process is something that needs to be addressed. I think that the question as to how that should happen whether it's a hybrid uh or whether it's an elected or whether it stays appointed is something that still requires study i know that one of the concerns that i have uh was with the elected bodies in other cities there's been pushes from uh, charter school uh, advocates and groups to essentially politicize these school committee groups and i and i think that that's the idea of politicizing a school committee is something that I think we we need to tread carefully and make sure that who gets there and how we do it the focus is on the children the focus is on the process of being transparent with policy and that our children in terms of like I have nieces and nephews who go to Boston Public Schools I went to Boston Public Schools my whole life that's true for all of my siblings that they're involved in this process that they feel like they actually have a stake on it I think a lot of the issue here is that they feel like they're not being heard they feel like they're not being seen and they feel like their their feelings and opinions and and how they feel about the process uh, in terms of the school closures that are happening and to those those different very important things that that really affect families and community, that they're not having a say in those things. And I think we need to do a better job of making sure that whatever structure we go with, they feel like they have that say.
0: So you think they should have a a deciding factor on, on the way it goes, too, as well?
1: I certainly think that—I I don't believe that you do this without taking community voice into 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 it. I think the city council's already had some listening sessions on this Yes. Um, in terms of whether or not they move with an elected or a hybrid. I'm open to an elected or a hybrid uh, seat, and I'm open to—I think it really matters what the community is feeling, Good. how the stakeholders feel about it. Uh, I think that there's a lot of information still to be gathered on the best way to make sure that that's equitable to our our neighborhoods and our communities. Uh, But I'm open to those And what we're talking about
0: so people understand, too, uh, because I kind of got right to it. I think uh, a lot of people already know, but, you know, for the people that are are aware, okay, uh, Boston right now has an appointed school committee. So that means, you know, the mayor of Boston decides who's going to be appointed on that committee, where a lot of other cities and towns now have an elected school committee. And so there's a discussion whether Boston should go to an elected school committee or even a hybrid, which we're talking about where some are appointed and some are elected.
1: And then at that point, you're probably talking about how many are appointed and how many are elected. I think there's a lot of things there that still need to be ironed out. Uh, I think what I can say confidently is I believe that the stakeholders should have a transparent process. They should never feel like things are happening and they don't know why or that things are just being done to them rather than with them. And
0: so Do you think that's happening a
1: lot right now? I mean, it seems I think like it, right? It seems like the issue right now. The, law, the reason why this is bubbled up, I think, is because there is a sense that the transparency is lacking, that that stuff is lacking, that things, things are happening, and they're not being involved in the process in a way that they want to be involved in that process. Uh, and I and I I would like them to also be involved in that process. And so the question is really, how do we involve them? How do we do a better job of that? And it may be moving to an elected. It may be moving to a hybrid. It may be with an appointed, but just making sure that different things are brought into the fold that things are done in a way that is transparent um, and so i'm i'm open to that i think there's a lot of discussion that still has to happen a lot of ironing out on details on that um, but I, I think we all stand for in terms of uh, well, I'll speak for me i stand for the belief that uh... families and children from bps should feel like they're involved in this process they should feel like they're brought into this process and into the decision making that they have a say or at least that they're heard in the way gotcha. that these things are done gotcha
0: um, you have an event coming up on Tuesday, January eighth. It's our first event. Six thirty-five High Park Avenue in Roslindale.
1: Yep, it's uh, Delicias. Uh, Thank you for
0: saying that for me. You're welcome. <laughs> Say <laughs> Del- it
1: again. Delicias. Delicia. Uh, restaurant. And, yes, it's a restaurant. It's from six to eight p.m. That's our first event. I'd love for folks to be able to make it. Uh, it's from six to eight p.m. Uh, it's right there on High Park Ave, right on the corner. It's there. Three Kings Day. So Three Kings Day, it's actually our Three Kings Day is tomorrow, uh, and so it's a that's a that's a traditional. Uh, I think I've heard it's also referred to as Little Christmas. Okay. But uh, in our community, in the Latino community, it's Three Kings Day. It, it's it signifies uh, exactly what it sounds like: the three kings who came to visit Jesus. Um, and so, three wise men. Three wise men. Yes, three wise men. Uh, and so, this is like a tradition we had growing up, uh, where, uh, for, for instance, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm from Puerto Rico, and and I was born and raised in Boston, but I'm my parents are Puerto Rican. I, right. I so. Basically, this is a tradition that's very large and on our island, but it's also uh, it's a gift-giving period So you do give gifts, but there's there's also uh, It's like a family thing for us so growing up. I, I tell this story all the time. You know, I thought the three kings were real way longer than I thought Santa Claus was really? real because nobody was coming up to me to say, you know, you know, people were telling you Santa Claus, yeah, isn't, Santa real, Claus isn't real, but nobody was talking to me about three kings, right? <laughs> so I thought about that. I was, I was a believer in the three kings for way longer than Santa. Like it, it has special meaning for me. And so actually tomorrow is three kings and, uh, this is the
0: celebration on the, on Tuesday for, for, yeah, for and so, and we, campaign. we like
1: to honor it. We like to honor our Latin traditions and, and it's a very important day for us and, and it's funny because growing up this used to be a house this used to actually be a house party it wasn't it wasn't an event right, right. like it was a house party uh, and then we in annually it, it was just an annual thing we did uh, and so it's kind of, there's a special honor for me in and having the ability to host it now right like that's that's special for me so Excellent. yeah it's, it's a three kings day event uh, it's our first campaign event and it's Tuesday the 8th of January from 6 to 8 p.m. at Delicia's uh, 635 High, park high park
0: app. App. Perfect in Rosendale and then you're, that's in the district you're running. Yes. Um, we also want to ask uh, some contro- maybe more controversial stuff. But number one is not that controversial, I don't think. But there's a law now in Boston that's unlike any other uh, kind of law, I think, in other cities and towns about related to the uh, zoning and regulation of cannabis uh, dispensaries. And what it is, it's a buffer zone. It's like a yeah, half-mile buffer yep. zone, which really helps and benefits the first guys in, the guys that have the most money in this industry. Um, I'm just wondering if you would be someone that would look at or even support lifting the half-mile cannabis buffer zone in Boston.
1: So here's where I'm at on, on I voted for legalization. Uh, as a public defender, I saw the effects of this, right? So I saw the effects of the war on drugs. I saw how there was a uh, disproportionate effect on low-income uh, people of color, especially, who were, who were dealing with this. And so for me, uh, I voted for legalization. With that said, I think that the way that this has to unroll for me, the things that I look at, are the communities that were most impacted by the unjustness of these drug laws and the ways that they were enforced, are they at the table? Are they making, are they involved in the dispensaries? Are they part of this? That's first and foremost, right? And then I think we have to look at, uh, in terms of the community, uh, aspect of that. How is the community that these, these dispensaries being brought in, how are they being brought into this process? The buffer zone aspect, if I if I understand it, and I'm happy for clarification yes. on this, but if I understand it, the idea is uh, I think there's some discussion as to what this actually means, but it, they want to keep it away from treatment centers, right? And the well, definition is a little treatment.
0: different because this is uh, unique. And basically it was Michael Flaherty, the city council, who yeah. passes, well, pushed it and it, it got passed by the city council. And his idea, like he, you know, I talked to him about this, and his, you know, I'm going to weigh both sides so you can understand really where yeah. why they did it and what the debate against it is. Uh, basically, on you know, Mister Flaherty's side, City Council of Flaherty, he was worried that they were all going to be in one zone, like the combat zone. That would be like a, a downtown Boston would just be all you know so in one. It would set be of, one street of dispensaries. Yeah, and so he decided to do a half mile buffer zone, which means that if there's a dispensary on State Street or let's say Newbury Street a half mile cone around that there can't be another dispensary right now mm-hmm. so it, what it's created and this is where you know a lot of us want to lift it is it's created the first few got few first dispensaries so first in in have gotten the best areas essentially have got and, and they have a monopoly kind of and they happen to be the ones that made all the contributions to uh, Mayor Walsh and Mr. Flaherty as well. So this and is an <laughs> issue. They're the biggest money guys. So you know? you're, you're and enlightening And they're not me. the disproportionately harmed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. so
1: I think, so you're enlightening me to an issue that I was unaware of. Yes. In terms of, because I had heard talk about a buffer zone right. specifically about uh, I believe it was treatment centers. Yeah, and that's also, within
0: the law already, you know. And then sometimes they increase it, but this is a unique thing within Boston. Yeah, and so
1: that. I would unfortunately I'd have to look into it just to see exactly what this is. Sure. This isn't something I'm I'm fully aware of. Yep. Um, but it sounds like, it, for me, I really want these dispensaries to involve the communities and the folks that were most harmed Definitely. by the drug war, right? And if if these are, and so for me, that is a sticking point for me, right? Like I want folks of color, folks from these neighborhoods Definitely. to be involved in this. And so at a certain point, uh, I'll, I'll have a chance to look at all of this and I'll, and I'll have a much more fleshed out position on Perfect. this. Unfortunately, right now, I, I still need to do... Well, I appreciate that.
0: Um, let me... And I appreciate... You know what I really liked is that you voted yes on legalization. I mean, that... Yeah, that I voted yes on legalization. Right I mean,
1: I, I think... I mean, I as a public defender, I saw the effects of, of criminalizing right. marijuana. I, don't right? want, I had yeah. cases where it was... Uh, where we had folks serving time, on because they couldn't afford bail, for distribution of marijuana, right? And that's and these are things where, the, just wrecking lives, right? Because it doesn't take a long time for you to be incarcerated before you lose your job, no, or you lose your car. And even because even just getting
0: arrested, you can lose your job. It happens. I mean, it home. happens
1: quite a bit, right? Yeah. And so, like these are really uh, an arrest and incarceration is a real destabilizing Definitely. aspect of anybody's life, and. Marijuana itself, when it was happening with marijuana, uh, and, I had, and there was an opportunity to uh, legalize it, I, I, that was a yes for me. And, Def- that's, and I'm, I'm happy to be on record uh, as yes God. for legalization of uh, Now
0: I want to ask you the more controversial drug question, I think. Is, uh, and, you know, I don't think it should be controversial. I don't think it's controversial to people who, like, look into it. Uh-huh. But, like, harm reduction, safe injection sites, legalizing. You know, the Cannabis Control uh, Commissioner, Shalene Title, brought this up. Uh, with an up, you know, opinion piece that she wrote uh, to start looking at legalizing other drugs.
1: What would yeah. you be on that? So uh, I think we definitely... So here's where I am on this, right? Uh, so you gave me two things there. The yes. first one was safe, injection, safe sites. injection sites. I believe that there's been research that they work in decreasing overdoses and that they also actually... There's a component to it where they actually help in getting folks treatment. That's right. Uh, and so for me... I do believe in safe injection sites. I think there has to be uh, I love it. there has to be work or study done on where it makes the most sense yes. for these things yes. to be, uh, and so that they're the best, the most effective thing for the community themselves. Uh, but I am for safe injection sites. I think that there's studies that I've seen, research that I've seen that show this. And as a public defender uh, who has lost clients to overdose, who has seen families affected by this. I'd, I want to go as aggressively as possible uh, that we can right. to ensuring the safety of all of our folks, including folks dealing with these addiction sure. issues. Um, and so, I think the question then is just how and where. And I don't have the answers for that right okay. now. But I know that for safe injection sites, uh, <coughs> I support anything that helps save lives, that helps and push I people towards treatment. That. Because um, you know,
0: like just a few years ago, people like some law enforcement, and, and you'd hear things like. People were opposing Narcan. Like, that was controversial. Now it's not.
1: I mean, so we actually, as public defenders, we had a whole conversation about whether or not we wanted to be trained in Narcan to carry them around. I've never been in a situation where I would need to use it, but I was open to that training. Um, You know, I think anything that saves lives, anything that saves lives is worth exploring and worth doing. Um, And so that's just my stance on that.
0: Awesome. We've had some comments online. Uh, I'm going to try to read some of those. We have other questions, though. You know, I want to ask. One of the big issues in Boston, I think, a lot for a lot of people, is housing. Yes. Yeah, what I'm do we here? do I'm about housing? You're a city. If you, yeah, you might I'm be a city councilor. And when is this election going to be? Like when? when so we...
1: the primary would be in September. Okay. And the general election would be in November of 2019. Okay. All right. So you got some time. And I've got some time. What's your plan? This is for early. Housing? This is yes, early. Yes, it is early. I think
0: we're the first interview. Are not we pretty much? You are the first interview. Yeah. Doing a
1: first. Yeah. yeah this is the first interview. First to ask. Uh, first to ask. Yeah. I asked. Uh, I was like, oh, I saw. Yeah. You as came soon in I saw early. you were running. i was like, you brother. You kidding? Yeah. Yeah. You came in early. So first ask and first interview. Um, so the elections in September, uh, that would be the primary election. And then there'd be a general. And, and it's not a partisan race, so it's top two, make it out of that primary. And then there's a there's a general election where it's it's a, essentially a two-person race.
0: Excellent. Uh, we do have a telephone number if anyone wants to uh, call in, 502-501-3477. Uh, we do got quite a few people listening.
1: Which is great. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I love that.
0: Not many comments, a few comments. Uh, Lauren Pespiza said, you heard it here first. But we have a uh, city councilor from Vitchburg who's commenting, who's been a guest on the show, Sam Squalia. She's awesome. Uh, she says, great discussion. I was surprised that Boston did not have an elected school committee. Uh, she also said, I created a map for Vitchburg City Council when we discussed a buffer zone between retail cannabis businesses and showed uh, what the proposed 1,500 feet buffer zone would mean for businesses uh, for first businesses who could really corner the market it's a, it's a, it, this is interesting because it does come up in certain cities and towns but boston's the only one i'm aware of that has a half mile it seems like a, a very large number but
1: um, yeah and, I, and again i mean i don't have this information so i want to no, really know dig you know, into it. i don't want to make i i appreciate
0: that uh you uninformed know, positions no no it's you know totally good for you to you know Find I mean, out it, about it. it early. And, I'm sure yeah. we'll have another oh, interview definitely. later. That's, uh, I'm going to follow up on that. <laughs> I'll be here. Uh, yeah. You know. I'm not upset that, you know, the most important thing for me is that you were you voted yes on on, on the question. So I did. For us, that's like the big deal. And I, and I think uh, when you look into it, I think I know where you're going to be anyway. So <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I know how these work things work. Uh, 502-501-3477 is our number. Um, do you, you have a Facebook page? I do.
1: So if you look me up online... It's Ricardo Arroyo, that's R-I-C-A-R-D-O, Arroyo, A-R-R-O-Y-O, and you can join that page, and then that page also has an uh, invitation to the next event. You can get involved uh, in the campaign, uh, you know, no matter where you're from. Uh, it, it, every, everybody's invited and welcome to join.
0: Uh, we also have. Uh, I I got to the housing, but I'm not sure we got no, to we the question. No, we didn't even really though. get into it because you yeah. asked about the. Yeah, uh, I changed it. I asked you three questions. So, so no other host does that to you. So yeah,
1: <laughs> go ahead. Because <laughs> then it's like, oh wow, which one of these? Uh, so basically, affordable housing. This is, I think, frankly, the question that is a so it, it's so multifaceted, right? And and part of why I'm running for this seat is because I do believe in holistic change. I don't think. I've learned this from the work that I do. If you're unable to, if you're not living in stable housing, you're probably not working. If you're not working, you're probably unable to find stable housing. Right. And so all of these things work in tandem together, and you can't really fix one without trying to fix all of these different issues. Affordable housing is easily uh, one of the biggest issues in, in Boston. It's um, huge. I mean, this is for I mean, for me. I can be, I uh, even in my personal <laughs> right. life, I've paid... Working as a public defender, I mean, will not surprise you. That was not we were not making not a lot making of money. Not making as
0: much as a private lawyer. Working
1: well, no, we were doing paycheck, paycheck, right? Yeah. That that's just that was the lifestyle. And so, I was paying when I was paying rent fifty-five to sixty percent rent income. Yeah, yeah, sixty-five percent of my set my paycheck. That's crazy. Was going <laughs> yep. to rent with roommates. Yeah. The problem
0: is rent keeps going up even beyond that, too. Eventually, it's going to be over what people can afford. And I think
1: another aspect of the rent raising is that there's a neighborhood displacement effect to this. Right. And so people are unable to live where they want to live um, or. And the thing about this is they're unable to live where they were currently living, right, right. where they have roots, where they have a community that they've helped build and made better and made
0: stronger. Where they work, they have to commute further and further. I mean, that's what I was doing. Yeah, it's
1: there's crazy. a lot of issues there, and I and I know that Councillor Edwards and Councillor Janey have started conversations, community conversations on gentrification. Uh, and I think that the you know right now the 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 focus of affordable housing is something that is being discussed at the city council. Um, I know that there was a Jim Brooks Stabilization Act uh, uh, that uh, frankly the the current. District 5 City Councilor voted against the Jim Brooks Stabilization Act had uh, f- had uh, several things to it. The final one that did pass had a tracking of evictions. And that that was what they did just so they could track the eviction issue and then see how big and how widespread the the case of eviction was, And right? Who
0: is that city councilor? Uh
1: that's Tim McCarthy. He's, and that's he's you're the running, District 5 council. Yeah, it's, essentially I'm running for the position. I don't consider it running sure. against him. he's is the he's the person holding the seat. I do disagree with with several of his stances. On
0: this. Tell me, because, like, so he opposed this. Tell me more about
1: this. So the Jim Brooks Stabilization Act finally passed 10 to 3. Uh, And it was passed by, uh, uh, that's the vast majority of the council. Uh, What it does is it tracks evictions. He voted against tracking evictions. Okay. Um, I think from where we're talking, right, that's the start of where we should begin. We should at least be starting at figuring out how widespread this issue is, right? Because if you just focus it on word of mouth, I can't have a conversation with anybody without within five to 10 minutes, the rent comes up or the ability to buy a home. I
0: mean, We've been doing this show. We have weekly people come in, you know, journalists, artists, you know, uh, everyone and business owners, politicians, and everyone is talking about the fact that they're can't afford the rent it's, it keeps it's going becoming up more expensive it keeps to live going in. up and they're moving they're they're talking about where they're moving like so many of my friends have moved
1: i have friends who i grew up with in high park who were looking for homes and now live in homes that are not in boston because they could not afford to live where they grew up and i think that we do have to do something at a certain level we have to look at how do we tackle this um is and building
0: I, housing like is so i don't, like don't think you us? can
1: just build your way out of this i think that building housing is a component to it But I don't think that this is the kind of situation where you can just build your way out of it. I think that it's multifaceted, it's complex. Uh, Other cities have struggled with how to address this. And I think that it's high time that we make this a focal issue uh, on the city council. And one of the things that they have done is they did pass the Jim Brooks Act. Uh, The District Five Council voted against that. I would have voted for that. I think we have to track these things and we have to get to work on figuring out the best way to, to keep folks in their communities uh, and to try and, and change that dynamic. Because right. our residents make our city stronger, right? And so yes. when when they're forced out and they have those roots in the community, that, that hurts all of us. And so I think that that's something we need to take very seriously. And for me, it's, it's one of the highest things uh, on my priority list to look Excellent. at and deal with.
0: So we got uh, Ricardo Arroyo here, and uh, we're uh you're running for city council of boston yes we have comments on both sides of the uh one of the issues we talked about which was the safe injection yep Sites. some comments i'm going to read one of them and i'll, I'll read them both actually uh ann donna Frio Connor's writes do safe injection sites really save lives question mark i don't think so let's say she has a question and then she answered it i think <laughs> and she said i have seen safe injection sites she has i wonder where uh, she, she says, keeps them alive until the next fix and the next and the next. And then Sam, the city councilor from Pittsburgh, uh, Squalia, said, I did a show on medically supervised injection facilities. Really interesting. The more I looked into it, the better it sounded.
1: So I think, again, this is, this is a situation where uh, I know that they've had them in other countries. I think Canada has safe injection In Australia, sites. Australia, Canada, Portugal, I believe Italy. England also yep. has them. Yes. And so I have seen some of the research from those places, specifically Canada and England. My understanding, and again, I'm not pretending to be, you know, the expert on this issue. My understanding of the research that I have seen is that it saves lives and that there is a component to it where folks from the, the treatment, uh, from these safe injection sites, do they have a better chance of entering treatment? and going to treatment for rehabilitation. My stance on this comes from being a public defender and losing folks to overdoses and understanding that we have people right now that are using heroin and opiates that are overdosing and they're doing it alone and they're doing it in hallways of buildings and they're doing it on the street. and And if they do overdose there, there's a higher likelihood of them dying. That's right. I would much rather that those folks have a doctor That's nearby right. or are in a safe injection site because for me people are not disposable. They're not the worst thing they've ever done. These are people who have families. These are people who are of value. That's right. And so for me, anything that keeps them safer, anything that puts them in a position to Make it to tomorrow That's right. is something that I would support. I don't, see, I don't get
0: Ann's comment. She said that they, you know, they go on and like she basically keeps them alive until the next fix and the next and the next and the next, which is often I, I, true. But as there are thing. certain people we all know who are sober and clean and, and it took them 15 times like people. Sometimes I have some it takes fantastic years.
1: success stories and I also have some really sad relapse stories. And in terms of the clients that I've worked with, um, you know, I've, I've seen up close the impact that addiction has not just on an individual, but on their loved ones. I've had difficult conversations with parents. I've had difficult conversations with parents who call me when their child overdoses and has passed away. And so with I come to this, I come to it from a lens of these are human beings of value. If we can keep them alive, if this keeps a single person, like one more person alive that wouldn't have been able to make it to the next day, then that's something that I'm, in, I'm up for and up for exploring how to best implement it. I think that, sure, there's more research to be done on this uh, for certain. It's not a settled deal. I don't know where in the city it would make the most sense or have the largest impact. But I do know that safe injection sites, from the research that I've seen, do have a beneficial impact on people's lives. Uh, and that's something that I would I would be for. I would be for trying to protect the most vulnerable of our populations. And I think the folks struggling with opiate addiction qualify as the most vulnerable of our populations.
0: Thank you. Uh, we're speaking to Ricardo Arroyo, who's running for District 5 City Councilor in Boston. Um, I'm just gonna say right now, like, I- you didn't ask me for it, but I'm giving you something today. I'm giving you my endorsement. <laughs> oh, well, jerks, I appreciate it. You've got an endorsement. That from means us. a lot to me. I mean, it's your first endorsement. There you I heard go. here first. There you go. We, like because, because, you know, I'm, I know who you who, who you're running against, and I mean, it just, it's it's just so obvious for me. I think for a lot of people are going to be like that too.
1: So. I think yeah, for me, a lot of things went into my run, right? A lot of things went into me making the decision to do this. First and foremost, it comes from the work I did as a public defender. It comes from just seeing hurting people people who are hurting every day and seeing ways in which we can really engage those communities we can really do something for them from a city council level we can do that and wanting to do it on a larger scale i can i can help an individual but if five people are there and i'm assigned only one those other four people are fending for for themselves with whoever they have and ultimately i would love it if we didn't have four or five or six or seven people sitting there, I would love to be in a position where people are getting treatment centers where it's available to them. One of the biggest issues we would have is that it would take months, weeks, days. It would take longer than it made sense to take to find somebody help, to find them a treatment center, and then you know, it was it, one of the things we did a lot was we would work to find them housing, and it was that was another process right? And then you had to work to help them find work. And we were only doing that on an individual level. I think that there's policies and things that we could push for that can help the whole population, not just that individual. And that's why I'm running. But I'm also running because I do believe that our current counselor is out of step with the district. Uh, He endorsed Charlie Baker. Oh, wow. You know, he's he voted against the Jim Brooks Stabilization Act. And for me, those things matter. This is my community. It's a community that's 70 percent of color. It's a community that Commonwealth Magazine. Is he a
0: Democrat? I think so. A Demo- I love these Democrats. in. I think he uh, is. Um,
1: I think, you know, I'd let him answer that. But I think he is. Um, and so ultimately, for me, it's a matter of living in this community. This is the community I was born and raised in. Right. And wanting to have these, to take on these challenges and try to lift up these voices that I saw on a daily basis that weren't being lifted up, weren't being heard, and folks who generally aren't being seen. Um, and so frankly, that's why I did this. That's why I'm running for office. I want to I fight for those populations. I want to fight for, for those communities that I grew up with that raised me. Um, and so that's why I'm doing it.
0: And I, that's why I think you're going to find a lot of support. That's why you have my support, because I know that is the fact. And, uh, yeah, and I there is a
1: difference. It. There is
0: a difference between who's there and who, I, who we'd like to see there.
1: For me, I think frankly, it, it, so if you're not dealing with these higher arching questions, about what direction do we want the city to go in? How do we how do we do these things on the city council? Then where are you supposed to do that? And so for me, I think that there's justice in making sure that every street is plowed. I believe I see that as justice, right? If you're if your city services are working the way they're supposed to work, that is justice for those communities, and I will fight every day for that. But I also believe that from these positions, we we have to have a responsibility to the folks in this district in the direction that this city is moving. And frankly, when it comes to affordable housing, when it comes to, uh, these are universal issues. These are universally heard around Boston, right? And and I'm representing, if I win this seat, I'm representing Mattapan, Roslindale and Hyde Park. And those are central issues there. Uh, Commonwealth Magazine released an article uh, where the numbers of folks paying more than half of their paycheck to rent was high, like over 70% high these are things that need to be addressed there needs to be listening sessions on this folks in this community have to be lifted their voices have to be raised and so i'm running to do that i'm hoping to be able to do that
0: and, and again you have an event coming up i want to make sure everyone knows about tuesday night january 8th this tuesday night six thirty-five, hyde park avenue in roslyn deal uh the restaurant again, delicious? Uh, delicious? Delicious. 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 Restaurant. Yeah,
1: from six to eight. Is it delicious? Like, it, yes, it really like, good? Yeah, and they are good. sounds good. They're, they're very good. Uh, and so hopefully when folks are there, they, they partake in some of their menu items.
0: And you'll uh, also have, uh, w- uh, where can people find you online again?
1: Www.VoteArroyo, so that's www.votearroyo.com. Perfect. And you're on Facebook and Twitter. And all I am little- on Facebook. I am on Twitter. Uh, if you are looking for me on Facebook, it's Ricardo Arroyo. R I C A R D O Arroyo. A R R O Y O. You just put that in the Facebook search. You'll find it. Adam. Uh, and and I'll and I'm happy to have everybody uh, do that. And then uh, Twitter. Uh, I believe it's Ricardo under slash Neftali, which is my middle name, or it's Ricardo and Arroyo yep. uh, on Twitter.
0: And I would also recommend you know anyone listening. Even if you don't live in the city of Boston, if you care about some of these issues, give Ricardo some money. A little bit goes a long way. I
1: appreciate the ask. Yeah, even definitely. if it's
0: five, 10 bucks, because the contributions add Every, up and they ma- make yeah. a difference. The number of contributions mean more than the amount you give. Really, that's the truth of these campaigns where we learn. It's the amount of contributions that uh, candidates like Ricardo get and, and not even the dollar amount. Yeah. So give money, uh, you know, if you care about, like we talked about cannabis for instance, you know the city councilor that is sitting there did not vote yes on legalization. If you care about cannabis, he's your guy. And if you care about some of these other issues, he's your guy, so.
1: And and what I would say on that is really every dollar does matter, every dollar helps. Um, There is no such thing as a donation that is too small. Every dollar goes towards our grassroots organizing on on a grassroots level that allows us to put together flyers, put together mailers, to pay folks who are helping on our campaign. Those kind of things, every dollar really is appreciated. It really goes a long way. Uh, And you can make donations at the website, which is www.votearroyo.com. And there's also a donation link on the Facebook page. Perfect.
0: Votearroyo.com. I'm going to be checking out later on uh thank you so much for coming in
1: thank you thank, thank you for having me and thank and, uh, you for endorsing me yes. first endorsement please, first interview come back? i come hope to... all my interviews come yes. with endorsements yeah. this is
0: amazing i want to have you on as many times as we can get you like and i will be work. back
1: awesome you get that from me for thank sure thank you ricardo
0: uh we're the young jerks we're going to take a break and uh we're going to come back we're going to talk about probably our big party that we're having in april uh april 27th it's our five-year anniversary party that we're going to have at uh, down the road beer company we've already uh talked to i think confirmed at this point tito jackson's gonna be in attendance uh also some other people are gonna announce and uh a lot of things are gonna be happening some things we'll announce after this next break uh, we're gonna have uh the guys uh from woke here uh hopefully in, live in the uh the brewery
1: and i just want to thank folks for listening chiming in uh i'm i'm accessible uh if folks want to reach out to me on that campaign on that facebook page I'm happy to to engage. Uh, I really appreciate folks taking the time to listen and to really engage with the process. It means a lot to me uh, that we do that.
0: Thank you, uh, Ricardo, Arroyo. And uh, when we come back, we're gonna be with the guys from Woke, it's uh, an old friend of mine, Oblivious, and uh, Laytab. they're gonna be coming up and uh, we're gonna chat with them about their new release, their tour, all the things that they're doing as well, and some politics as well with these guys, if you saw what uh, we put out on the Substack about them on the Midnight Mass newsletter, uh, they like to get into uh, the politics and 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 what's going on in the world and you know some of the things we've been talking about today. They they're definitely going to be down for this the uh, discussion. I'm stumbling over my words right now. I haven't even <laughs> been drinking. It's because I'm trying not to cough and I've been a little sick. Yeah, been, you, was, sick. you got over sickness. I got sickness. sick.
1: I was sick two weeks ago. I uh, the cough is mostly gone.
0: Yeah, and so. And I also want to hear from my listeners while you're listening, like you know, and while you're posting your comments. Have you been sick? Because it seems like everybody in the world has been sick over the last few weeks. As you can tell, I've been coming off the the cold. I've been trying to drink liquids and trying not to sneeze and uh, cough too much during this live interview. But uh, now it is time for a break because it's right. catching yeah, up to me. You, you need the. You <laughs> yeah, I need, need it. Break. You can
1: you <laughs> tell. You can tell it. <laughs> you this you can hear it in the voice. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank Again. you for having me. We're the Unjunks. We'll be right back.